Hello and welcome to Let Me Introduce You, the food business podcast where I introduce you to the most amazing producers, entrepreneurs and consultants who work with me to help me build stronger, healthier, better versions of food businesses. I've been building teams to work with food businesses for over 25 years now. We're taking you behind the scenes in my business to meet some of them. So let me introduce you to Cameron Sutherland. I was delighted to meet him many years ago, a fellow Scot in London, somebody who shared a passion for quality Scottish ingredients and products and wanted to help spread the word. Since then, Cameron has set up Echoes Gourmet, selling quality Scottish foods in France and beyond. He's even managed the unthinkable and sold cheese to French people. Obviously, a fellow Scot, I think people will probably pick that up from the yes. from, from the discussion. Uh-huh. And but you're not in as I am not, you're not in Scotland either, but you have ventured a little bit further afield. Can you tell us how would you describe your job to other people? Maybe a way to start if you start with what you're doing nowadays and maybe you can talk about some of your, your journey in food. Yeah, well, yeah, having, as you say, we're both Scottish and, you know, I think we met each other, Jane, when uh, when I was working for SDI, Scottish Development International, and I was based down in London. That was a wonderful experience. I was with SDI for about nine years, uh, working across lots of different, different markets. So I think that's when we first met each other. How would I describe myself and what I do? It's funny... You know, I, I like the expression rent a Scot, but, you know, <laughs> I'm based here in Paris and I'm flying the flag for Scot- Scotland and Scottish food and drink. So really, uh, to describe me, you know, I'm a passionate foodie. I love food and drink. I've been in the food and drink game for, for many years now. And I'm I'm importing premium Scottish products and distributing them directly to consumers. So across the whole of, whole of France, and I've got a range of of wonderful Scottish smoked salmon. I, I dabble a little bit in in tea, and I'm looking to work with other Scottish suppliers as well across different other categories. So, really, a passionate Scot who who loves everything about Scotland and who's been involved in the food and drink industry. I th- I think that's I think that's perfect. And I mean, I think you you did say you know how did we meet? And we did meet mm. through SDI. And even then, you know, you were you were somebody who loved food and therefore yep. was doing that job rather than somebody who was doing that job and had some interest in food. You know that your your interest in food was part of what had shaped what you were doing. And I think. Even then, you know, you were helping people in in England access food because for Scotland, London yep. particularly was a big export market for it. And you were helping people get things that you were very proud of. You were helping those businesses get into the London market. Now, in a way, you're doing a similar job, but you're doing it as a commercial enterprise and you're doing it in France. And French people love food. And so the Scottish food that you're taking to them will, of course, be the very best. And and who better to know about that than, than a Scot, you know? Yeah, the French are, the French are just uh, 
crazily passionate about food and drink. You know, they they sit around the table, um, both lunch and dinner, and they they talk talk about what they're eating. They explore it. They taste it. They taste it together as a family. And so that's why I love um, living and working here because they're as passionate about food and drink as as I am. I think actually, Jane you and I first met something to do with the Olympic Games in 2012 if I remember rightly because I think that I I mean that that would definitely be right so then at that point I was helping to put regional food from all across the UK into the Olympics that was one of the projects I worked on for London 2012 and and so we were bringing products together and I, I I remember being at Scotland House I think yeah, with you at yeah. something as well. So I mean, it, it certainly has been. It's probably well, if it was if it was before the Olympics. I mean, that all started in two thousand and nine. I think we started finding some of those products. So and Scotland had a a very successful time at the games in the athletes village, sampling food and introducing Scottish food to people and things. And that worked so well. It's interesting because. The Athletes Village in the Olympics came up in a conversation I had with somebody this week and we were talking about the Scottish strawberries yes. that the Bruce family up in Perthshire had, had supplied. And I'll never forget being in the, the Athletes Village with, you know, all the home all the home countries all um, sampling their, their produce. But... For about five days, we sampled nothing but Scottish strawberries, and I always remember. Do you the remember the Twitter feeds? The All the athletes about that. You know, <laughs> that was incredible. But was... The, the the athletes couldn't believe. I remember Chris Hoy. So Chris was at school with me yes. in George Watson's college when I was there for a couple of years, and he was bringing the you know, all the different GB team around and they were spreading the word about Scottish strawberries. But funnily enough, I would love, you know, the French are, are passionate about their uh, their strawberries, um, but I would just love to bring over and sample Scottish strawberries because yes. honestly, the minute the minute I bit into them in the, in the Olympics, I, I myself couldn't believe they were, they were Scottish. So, it's all, it's yeah, all that green. <laughs> <laughs> you know it is, but they're lovely it, no, juicy it's... fruit. You know, I mean, it's um, it is. It was it was superb. But I know. I, I mean, I'm like you. I'm very proud of a lot of great Scottish food, and um, hmm. I have been actually have been involved in the last couple of weeks in sampling things for Scottish food retail food and drink awards. You know, and and yep. and look at different things, and and some of the things that you can get excited about. You know, when you get a good. A good butter, a very good example of a Scottish cheese. I, I have yep. also been doing on a Friday night a class uh, once a month with a cheesemonger and he sends you two cheeses and he gets the cheese maker on, you know, to talk about them. And regional food, speaking to people from across the UK who are passionate food producers there's nothing there's nothing better and nobody can explain stuff better and you know i mean there's great meat comes out of scotland there's great there are you know there's great fruit and vegetable production up there as well obviously phenomenal fish beautiful smoked salmon things like that amazing seafood which 
uh, unhappily a lot of British people don't appreciate. So, you know, a lot of seafood leaves the country, but but is superb and you know, you're you're one of the folks smuggling it out and, and all all platey. You'll love this one, Jane. Yeah. So Runjeast is a, a company called Desai, and I had a meeting when I was working with SDI uh, with Monsieur Desai, and we presented a, a you know a range of Scottish uh, cheeses. Now, just to put this into context, Monsieur Desai, he's the king of cheese in France, <laughs> and, and so we presented a whole range of cheeses, and he he picked a Strathdon Blue, I think it was. Now it's a few years ago, Strathdon Blue, and he picked a Highland Fine Cheese Brie. Mm. And they went on to buy the Stratton Blue and the Highland uh, Highland Brie as well because he he couldn't actually believe it had been made in Scotland. He, he just said it was absolutely wonderful. He bought it's another gender as well. I can't remember who it was, but um, no. we sold we sold, we sold cheese to the French. I like that, saying that. that is amazing, isn't it? I know. That is the um, absolute son to the Arab story. Yeah. But I mean, there are there are some great producers and it's lovely to be able to bring stuff like that. And again, because you're from Scotland and because of your background with SDI and things, you've got those relationships with producers. You're not just somebody in France picking products, you know, out of the ear. Y- you you've got those relationships, and I saw a lovely image of you with the the Loch Fine team because I know you've had more than your your work cut out since Brexit, getting stuff over, and you've navigated that successfully with some of your producers and things. And yeah, it's been a it's 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 been a bit of a well, you know, you've you've read all about it in the press. You'll know all about it dealing with you know the the people that you work with, but it's been a difficult time post Brexit. I just think my general take on it was that people just didn't believe it was actually going to happen, so kind of left it to the last minute. I think a year earlier, folk thought then it might and it didn't. And so with Uh, COVID and everything else, everybody just ignored it to the last minute, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. But for me, it just shows the importance of working with key suppliers who are able to navigate the world of legislation and know what they need to do to be able to get the product over here yeah. to the international market so i think it's uh it's, info- it's 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 definitely important for a distributor like myself to have those relationships with suppliers who really know what they're doing they've got a quality product you know they they need to be sustainability needs to be at the heart of everything they do and they need people like you too, so to to be taking volume from them now because all that extra paperwork costs, and it's not worth it if it's a home delivery mail order volume of stuff. You know that the the cost of getting that over would be outweighed by the paperwork cost at the moment. But if but if they're dealing with somebody like you who can then get it into the country and then distribute it for them, then you know, that, that makes it worthwhile. And I think more distribution, you know, because we, we'd all become used to doing mail order and just ordering our own things. But I think now this makes that n- not as straightforward. And I think having people like you on the ground that people can get their Christmas smoked salmon from and their, you know, their scallops and, and those kind of things and, and you can smooth that paperwork, then that's phenomenal. And I think it will yeah. settle, definitely. 
I think no, as, as people get used to it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's it's got easier. But I think I I know I was speaking to the the cheesemonger guy about sending a cheese. He's doing a on the in the middle of April. He's doing a cheese and wine tour of part of England on Zoom. And I had said okay. to him, could I get that sent to a cheesemonger I know in Amsterdam? And he said, not at the moment, because just because it's like a home delivery kit, he said the paperwork involved doesn't justify the, the cost of the product. So No, the, the, having small drops and small sample drops just now is it's just very, very, very expensive. So Yep. And that's where people like you who who are a middle linchpin are are very very valuable to people. So I'm sure you'll be um you'll be much sought after. How do other people describe what you do? We've dealt with how you would describe what you do. What if if somebody else is asked what does Cameron do? What do you think they think you do? Eat good food all day? <laughs> no, no. I I I think I they they know that I've. Well, they know that I started off in, in, you know, working for Cadbury's and working for British soft drinks and, and then working for the public sector. But, you know, a lot of people, you know, everybody knows now that I've got my own business at Costco May and that I'm importing importing food and drinks. So it's about the network. It's about knowing people. And, and that's, what the, that's what working for SDI gave me. It gave me a very strong network of people in Scotland, but also internationally across lots of different markets like China, Hong Kong, South Africa, mainland Europe, all over the place. So yes. maybe a knowledge broker, maybe yes. somebody that knows people that can get things, you know, get things done a bit like you, Jane, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but maybe doesn't know all the maybe doesn't know all the answers, but knows people that 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 will. Yes, this is my my standard line. Often is if I don't know the answer myself, I'll know somebody who does, and that's just what comes with building that network, doesn't it? Ah, uh-huh. that's a, that's that's the power in in just being open and taking time to get to know people and finding out what they do, and then if you hear about them doing something and somebody else might be interested in that then I, I try all the time to just link people up and, and no and there's nothing nicer is there than being able to say I know somebody you should speak to somebody approached me yesterday about a piece of packaging and they're not a packaging company but they've come up with something that they think is unique and I said yep. first you need to find out if it is unique you need to understand if it's of use to the industry and then you also need to understand how you can protect it, you know. And and I gave him a couple of names, a structural packaging expert, uh, a designer that works with a lot of food and drink packaging, you know, who would have an opinion that mattered on it. And then, and yep. then the name of a good IP lawyer, because if he has got something good, he'll need those. And he came back saying, oh, thank you very much for giving me a hand. But I, I love doing that. It makes me excited if I know I can give that information to somebody. I love it as well. Yeah. And I, I, I think Scotland has a very strong, you know, very strong network all over the world. And, you know, whenever I've been in a different market, I've always been able to reach out to lots of different people and I've been amazed at how helpful they are yeah. uh, and the doors that they can open. So, you know, I always try and encourage people to to use that that 
that network to open up doors that they might not necessarily be able to do themselves. So, yeah, just... And and you know yourself too, if somebody tells you, if somebody that you know tells you something is good or this person knows what they're doing or have a look at, you're much more likely to feel confident about doing it than if you just see an advert somewhere for something. So there's no, you cannot place value on that network. What are some of your earliest food memories? Did your interest in food get shaped at home? Did were your family interested in food? Did you stand out because you were interested in food? Another folk when how, when when do you first remember being interested in food? I have to watch what I'm saying in case my mum's listening to me. <laughs> you know, my mum, you know, I, oh I, you know, I love my mom, I love my mum dearly. But, I mean, she wouldn't say she was like a you know the best cook, but she, she you know, if I look back on it on how she looked after her. She was amazing. You know, she was a teacher. She So she would teach during the day. She would pick us all up from school and then she would come home and do the housework and then she would, you know, cook. Um, and it was just simple food. It was just yeah. like, you know, mincing potatoes and, and stews and, you know, special occasions we'd have like a poke of chips, you know, with yep. salt and vinegar and uh-huh. we'd have fish and chips and stuff so but i think we didn't eat out as much in those days no. either i mean i you know i can count on one hand the number of times that we might have gone out for a meal for something yeah well we we, we as a family we would mum and dad would ask uh, would ask us when it was our birthday whether we would like to go out for something to eat and where would you like to go? And my standard response was, oh, can we go to Mr. Yen's uh, in Shettleston, I think it was, in uh-huh. the East End of Glasgow, because my dad had a customer, it was Mr. Mr. Yen. So we would go to Mr. Yen's and have a Chinese, and that was like, that was just brilliant. And I still look back on that with fond memories. But no, I don't think the kind of food passion came from at home. I... And not even, not even at university, really. It was when I joined Cadbury's, yes. I got really passionate about the world of food because Cadbury's just sucks you in. You know, it's the world yep. of cho- chocolate. It's like Oompa Loompa land, really. And I was just really, really lucky to to get into Cadbury's when I did. Yep. That was just, that was before it turned into Trebor Bassett, which then turned into Mondelez and all the yep. rest of it. It was the traditional days of, of Cadbury and, you know, you were having meetings in the boardroom in, in Bourneville and in the director's Bourneville, uh, boardroom, which was just amazing. You were surrounded by chocolate and I just love chocolate. So that gave me the whole the whole buzz and of marketing and selling uh, f- food and drink and uh, everything that goes along with it. Yeah. No, that's that's interesting, isn't it? It's funny how, you know, when you... Mum and I were talking recently and my grandmother was somebody who could open the fridge, find what was in there and then make something tasty with it. And mum cooked, but would need to follow a recipe and wouldn't necessarily do that kind of thing. Mum will say sometimes to me, I think you're like your gran because you can, you know, like make something out of not a lot often. Yep. And then I was saying, I can remember being about eight or nine and Nana giving me a box for my Christmas 
of all food and drink things that I liked. And I mean, there were weird things, Pontefract cakes, licorice that I loved. Um, the canned orange juice that you used to be able to get that you diluted it once you got it. Do you remember? It was like concentrate and you... No, I don't know. That. What was it called? I don't know. I think it came frozen. A frozen oh. can. And, and I think mum thought it was just too expensive to buy. Tinned butter beans, another thing that I loved that we obviously didn't have in the house. And and just like this really random collection of things. And I think I even then was beginning to you know have some quite unusual tastes, but but you know, just to, to have an interest in different things. So I think that orange juice was called Minute Maid. Oh yeah, yeah. It's still yeah. is that not that's yeah, it's still still in the market. Yeah, but I think at that point it came frozen in a can okay. and then you diluted it with a jug of water. And I just liked that about it. I think it was kind of novel. So, um, and, you know, and all those kind of things and Pillsbury dough and things, you know, I kind of remember getting excited about, about some of those things. So I, it's funny how when you look back, in terms of all your work experience with other people and just people that you've known in your life, who have been role models for you? Who have you watched and thought, I like how they do that. I like how they get their team along on the journey or or equally, when have you seen things that you think that's not the best way to do things and I don't want to make folk feel like that or feel they have to work like that or what's what's been good for well, you? Well, I, I, think, I, I think I've been very lucky, I, you know, especially going back to Cadbury's, you know, Cadbury's was all about putting people first and investing in learning and development you know nowadays you, you hear a lot about learning development but you know Cadbury's really were pioneers in in investing in, in their people so I was very lucky to have some really good bosses unfortunately unfortunately a few of them have died over the years shows you how old I'm getting now but I still look back on on them you know people in sales but also people in marketing there's one lady, she's she's got a company. She's a lovely, lovely lady called Helen Bryant. She's got a company now. She's done lots of different things, but she was the marketing director for Cadbury's and I used to, I worked for her in, in Maple Cross. She she made a a simple but you know, a real made a difference to the way I, I look at things and the way I prepare things. She just had this I always remember she gave me a project to do and I, I worked on it for weeks and weeks and weeks and I came back with this like you know, 30 page report and she just looked at me and, and she just went, this is far too complicated. You know, when you're looking at something, you just need to look at it really simply. You know, where are you? Where do you want to be? And how will you get there? And be clear on how you're going to get there. And I always remember taking that away and going, wow, okay. So, and I used that. And then and then there was another, another guy, his name, John Morton, He's unfortunately dead now, but you know he was—he had been part of the Fry Company, you know, yeah. Turkish Delight Fry, and so he—he he had he fries, he fives chocolate cream. So he had worked for them, and he had developed his career with fries, and then Cadbury's had bought fries, and so he was based in Bournemouth. And I just always remember being part of his uh, regional team as a kind of sales exec right at the beginning, and and I always remember. One Friday evening, he turned up 
and knocked on the door and I was living in Cambridge at the time and he was living in Coventry, which is, I don't know, maybe about 105, 50 miles or a 300-mile trip. It wasn't local. (laughs) No, No, it wasn't. It certainly wasn't local. But he knocked on the door. He said, Cameron, listen, I just wanted to give you this. It's your your yearly bonus. Well done. And I said, wow, John. Yeah, I said, wow, do you want to come in for a cup of tea? And he said, I would love to, but I can't. I've got to get back because, you know, my wife's already killing me. But listen, well done. And I, and so I kind of, I just, I think about that, having my own business now, I, I do think about how can you put people at the heart of everything you do. It sounds cliche, yeah. but it's yeah. it's important. And it, it's trendy now to do it and talk about it. And I think these people just did it. In those days, they just did it. It was natural. Yeah, it was part of the. That's how he functioned. So no, that's that's a great. That's a good. It's good, isn't it? It's funny, and I do think too. Some of your early experiences are always the ones that shape you most because at that point, you haven't formed your own ideas of how you would do things. So I think you know we all get a lot out of it, and so it is very important in those first jobs that you are with people who are willing to teach you stuff and things. I, I always think that the managing director I had when I first went into Greg's, um, mm. Ken Middleton, who was in, in the Scottish bakery, Ken had been in a group role, a group HR role, and had asked to come out and run his own bakery. And that was kind of going to be his last job in the company and then he would have retired from there. And so he wasn't, competing with people he was there to help everybody else get on and he told Ian Greg about me and Ian got me involved in some projects in Newcastle with them and you know it, it ha- just being lucky at that time to meet those kind of people has massively remind me how long were you in Greg's for initially I was in Greg's in Scotland for two years and then I started my marketing postgrad when I was there and they didn't have a group marketing function and I was keen to do something marketing related and they said go away work somewhere else do you know do what you need to do but always keep in touch and if there's a right time come back and then two or three years later when I had done a few other jobs and always, funnily enough, because I'd, I'd been in sandwiches with Greg's and I went into the sandwich industry and worked with manufacturers and people like that. And and that was in, that industry was just starting the whole concept that you wouldn't take your own sandwich to work, that you would buy it out somewhere. You know, Marks and Spencers were only just starting them when I began in the industry. So the industry was quite young. So I did a couple of years out and then they asked me to come back and do a project for them nationally, looking at where they were nationally against all their competitors and things. And then I rejoined the business in the southeast to help them. And that's what moved me to London. But you know, I was it was great. I was able to talk to them about the fact that I needed something else. They were able to say there wasn't anything at that point and go away and, you know, maybe come back. And I might not have come back. I I wasn't away doing other things thinking that I would come back to them, but they saw an opportunity and they asked me to come back and come and do this work in the southeast with them and and that's how I how I moved down south. But yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? It's good. But but you know, I mean they they are pivotal to 
the good lessons that I learned, definitely. And I had already had a year with Next before that because I did food and textiles. E, I missed food, which was why I came back into Greg's and I've never left the food side of the industry since. But also Next was a very young company at that time and it was very competitive and, you know, somebody got promoted and all their friends get promoted with them. And, you know, it was a very different culture and it was great to come into a business where folk were more established and more confident in themselves and probably had more experience and better people skills and things, you know, and it just made a huge difference to, because I can remember pre that thinking, I don't know if I can work for 40 odd years, if this is what it feels like. Whereas at Greg's, I discovered, you know, that I loved to go to work and and I enjoyed it. And so it does make a big difference. So they're definitely part of what shaped how I feel about food. And I've been lucky to have Ian come back and talk to people in my management group, Ian Greg, about his management style and what he did. And because he was years ahead, I mean, in how they did things and the fact that we had profit share, you know, and that everybody had a share in the business and, and just how he put people first. And and at, at the time I worked with him in Scotland, I think we had about 92 shops there. And, you know, he would remember a conversation with a manager in a shop where one of her children had been having trouble at school or, and he would, the next time we went into that shop, he would ask her, how that had panned out and, you know, he just had a genuine interest in people and that filtered through the business and it was great how he made sure that people who succeeded him put that first because he recognised what that had done, you know, and there have been some great people since him. Well, listen, don't tell anyone, but I really do miss a Greg sausage roll. <laughs> oh, like, I know, I don't like, think that's a bad thing. It's like it's like being in France. There's certain things like I, I do miss, and I, I would say a good scotch slides, pie slides is still something that I miss. I love uh, I scotch do, pie. Yeah, I love killy pie. I, I I I do I do miss a killy pie uh-huh. at the football at Rugby Park. But you know, but I do miss a Greg's just walk just the uh-huh. ease of walking down the high street and getting a Greg's sausage roll. But don't tell anyone that. Ah, we go. Well, we'll never mention it again. But I don't think there's any any anything surprising about that. Um, often people say you have to step out of your comfort zone in order to be successful. What have you done that surprises you when you look back now that you never would have said twenty years ago, thirty years ago that you might have done? What do you think? Where have you really stepped out your comfort zone? I always remember being at school and learning French and I wasn't very good, but I was a trier. You know, I, I always remember I was probably the worst in the class, to be fair. And, you know, every time I had a teacher, and I remember her very well. Her name was Madame Stevenson. She would ask, you know, she would ask the class, would somebody stand up and speak out loud? And, and you know, I was a bit of a... I quite liked doing that, you know. So I, I would always put my hand up in the air and say, I'll give it a go, Madame Stevenson. You should just look at me, you know, with despair. Must so you? I would, you know, I would, <laughs> I would, exactly, must you? So I would, you know, I would try and speak French, but I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't a natural. Um, no. So fast forward, oh God knows how many years now, and I'm fi- I'm here, you know, I'm, I've been here since 2015 and I came over speaking 
not very good French, and nope. and now I I've got my my business, and I'm having to speak to my customers in French, and I'm having to deal with all the administration and everything that goes along with it. So for me, I I think yeah, I think moving to France and starting a business over here is is me jumping out of my comfort zone, definitely. That would have been one of the things that I would have cited for you as well, because I think that's a, an incredible thing. You know, to start your own company is a big thing anyway, but to start it in another country is a great thing, I think. But I also think it's great for Scottish food businesses that you've done it, because, you know, they've got somebody pulling more quality Scottish food over into their markets. So. Well, this is what I thought, you know, with everything going on with Brexit that, or before it actually happened, I thought, you know, with a dif- difficult situation, there's got to be opportunities. So that yep. was the reason I set up Ecos Gourmet as a French registered, you know, limited sale, limited mm-hmm. company, because I, I thought there's got to be an opportunity to to help other businesses Come D Day, come yep. come the Brexit date. Those opportunities are starting to come our way, which is great. Yep. No, that's super. That's fantastic. Can you think of something you've learned about yourself that you wish you'd known sooner about yourself? Other than the fact that you can speak French, not just in the classroom. <laughs> what it took me a long time to understand that I love projects, but I don't like maintaining things. So I, it's good for me to work with lots of different people and immerse myself in things. And yes, they're all in food and drink, so I'm retaining that knowledge and using it in the next one. But I like some change. And I wish, I, I, I remember always saying when I was in my 40s, I don't actually like having the chocolate brownie business because it's the same all the time, other than yeah. at peak times in the year. Or, and, and my friend's husband saying, I could have told you that about yourself 20 years ago. And I thought, well, I probably wish you had, because I hadn't realised it myself. You know, is there something about yourself that you think, if I had known that about myself, I it think would all have made sense sooner? Or? I, I'm a bit of a control freak. I, I like to to take control and, and manage things, but... I've realised that, you know, as you get older and wiser, you, you just realise you can't do it all yourself. No. And so you're only as good as the team that are around you. Yep. And you've got to look after that team. So, well, I know it's it's a realisation that you have to build the, the team. They might not, you might not be hiring them, but you might be outsourcing. So you have to develop strong relationships around you. you. You know, you have to care for the people that you're working for, make sure that they know it and try and I, I, what I do now is I, I try and, and um, get people around me to do as much of it as, as possible, but make sure that they're, they're better at it than I am. So, yeah. I think that that I've learned that skills. over the years. Yeah, yeah, I, I've learned that you know, concentrate on what you're good at, outsource things that you, you might not necessarily be uh, good at, uh, and make sure you're doing it with the right people and 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 care for those people that are around you. Outsource stuff you don't enjoy too. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. I think that's, I mean, you and I had a chat just before this started and I, and I was tr- talking to you about doing the podcast and having to learn to edit it and everything, but then recognising yeah. I will never be fast at that and that other yeah. people are faster at it and can do it better. So I should pass it over. 
And just yeah. doing it while I did it means that I can explain what I need and what I don't need, what I want cut out, what I want kept in, that kind of thing. But yeah. I, and then obviously I listen to it all and then I go back and say that five minutes at the beginning where we were just having a gossip wasn't really meant to be on the final cut <laughs> as they've done the other week. So you do have to, to watch. But, you know, I mean, it's great and they can do it in 40 minutes. Sometimes turn it around and get it back to me. I think, she was. I'd have been up all night well, doing I, it, you know. Well, I'm ama- I mean, I'm, a- I'm amazed at the, at the amount of companies out there, you know, likes of Pfizer and uh, Fiverr and, and stuff, yes. what have you. Pfizer, I don't know where that no, came no. from. Vaccine, <laughs> um, Fiverr. Uh-huh. So I use them a lot, yes. you know, because it, you know presentations and and all that type of stuff that would just take me ages to do. And if they're doing it all the time, they're better at it. They are, yeah. and they know new things. And I, I've used a guy for a long time that did PowerPoint for me, and he's in Chicago, so you can give mm. him stuff. At the end of your day, go to bed, get up the next morning and it's there because he's worked on it. But also he would say, I put this in because I thought that was a good way to do it. Or, you know, like features of PowerPoint I would never, ever have known about. And I think it does work. It works well. No, it's great. I know. I mean, all of those sorts of things. And then if you're paying a decent rate and you're supporting people in other countries often, you know, and giving them a better rate of pay than they might get locally, then I think that's fantastic. It's great to be able to do. And you do build up your teams. And my my um, audio editing team have all come from Fiverr and have gradually persuaded me to buy more kit to make their jobs easier too. You know, like if you can get that recorded clearer, then, you know, we can get it. And it was them that moved me on to clean feed and things. So... It is, it's helpful and it's just their expertise. What are the best things that you've eaten recently? And I realise that although you're in Paris and sometimes in Provence, we're also in lockdown. So where you've eaten may be different, I would imagine, as a food and drink distributor, that you're still seeing a lot of good food. So what what has excited you recently? Yeah, we've not had a chance. It was, it was something that, you know, we love doing, we love just going out to not fancy places, but, you know, just like bistros and, and all over Paris. And they just do the simple things really, really well. Yeah. And this is going to, <laughs> it was actually the first thing I wrote down on a piece of paper that what is the best thing that I've eaten recently? And recently it's got to be a bio or an organic baguette. Now you can buy a baguette, in any, you know, boulangerie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, there are there are, set, there are definitely differences in the quality of the baguette you can buy. It. And we're, we're down in Aix-en-Provence for, for the confinement, for the quarantine just now. And there's a little place just around the corner. And I swear that the quality of the baguette is just... You know, they're using the quality farine, quality flour, they're everything about it is just taking time to make it the best product possible and you know you can you can toast this thing put lovely butter on it with some jambon ham yeah and just eat it and it's melting your mouth it has to be the local baguette it doesn't some simple things completely well done and that's what the french are brilliant about and there'll be no buy that bread then and stick it in your freezer for a month 
Oh, no, it goes, it goes, it, that, that's the that's the down point. You can literally eat the whole baguette in one go, which yes. isn't great for the stomach. Which, but, which you have to do because it will be stale by the next morning. <laughs> but that's just it, isn't it? It's, it's fantastic. No, that's really good. I think that's exciting. What's new for your business? What's coming to Ecos Gourmet or what are you expanding on that you haven't had before? Well, it's a it's an exciting time because we you know we're still small, but you know we're we're growing. We're trying to build a tribe of followers. Um, the strategy t- today has always been about you know sourcing direct and selling direct. Yep. Um, so sourcing direct from the Scottish Highlands and selling direct to you know Pierre who lives in Toulon or. Michelle, who lives in Alsace, you know, um, and we're doing a good job at that. I I love following your feeds and seeing who got what from where, and you know, it's lovely. It's lovely to see folk getting excited about things. Well, there, there, there's the you know, it takes time. Um, in in France, people, it's a bit like a they're like a coconut. You know, they they're hard to crack, but then when you when you do crack it, it's 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 really juicy. It's got they lots of liquid in it. it. They really appreciate it. So it's, you know, I have spent the last two years just trying to, you know, crack the coconut, and and we're starting to get some success. So that's that's really good. New for us is is finding quality products on top of the smoked salmon that we can sell all year round. Because just now we're very much seasonal based, so we're we're doing a lot of of value and volume at Christmas, we're doing a lot of stuff at, at Easter and a lot of stuff in in the summer. But all year round, we need to find new ways of, of, of making money. So we've been talking to, you know, some other producers in Scotland and we've got some exciting stuff going on good. there, uh, which is good. And um, maybe look at other, other categories. So maybe kind of jump out of... Um, Food and Drink can look at the textile industry and because Scotland's got fantastic... Because um, there's some premium quality product there as well. It yep. does. We've got, we've, got amazing, we've got amazing companies who are doing like cashmere gloves and hats, who are doing tweeds and stuff. I'm going to use the next couple of months really to kind of uh, reach out to contacts and, and see if we can develop some new projects that that really do complement what we're already doing. Yep. Good. No. Well, I I am um, I can think of a couple of food products too, so I'll um I'll drop you a note with some Great. food inspiration on it because I've um, I've seen some good things recently. I mean I know it's I know it's been a difficult time for everybody, but you know, I know that there's been a lot of people behind the scenes really working on ideas that they've probably had in their head for ages and ages and and they've had the time to do it now. Haven't so had the NPD I, time on it before now. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I can I th- I think one of the, the outcomes from this is that you're gonna see a burst of, of new ideas, new innovation. Well that's what I hope anyway. No, I definitely I think that's right. And and now you're seeing folks stepping up their NPD and things and things are getting busier again. So I definitely think because also when there were problems, and I mean, you still have to queue to get into supermarkets here some days and things. And when there were problems with getting product on shelf, they weren't 
looking to send you anything new, you know, to take in new things. But now that's all starting to come through. So definitely you will see. Are there three words that you would sum yourself up with? They don't need to be three words that join together, but we like to to say, tell me three words about yourself that you think sum you up. What would they be? That was a really difficult one, you know. That's a really difficult Is one. It? I, I, I love Scotland. I love Scotland. Mm-hmm. So passionate about Scotland. That's your three words. That's my three words. I love Scotland. And I, I just, I, I think... Scottish people do amazing stuff, they make amazing stuff, they do amazing things. They're not necessarily great about shouting about it. No. And so if I can play my role in helping to shout about that in France or any other markets, then that's what I love. That's that's great. No, I, I I think that's good. I also would say from what I know about you, you know, that you have you have a real passion for that sort of you know, for, for your Scottish heritage and, and, and letting other people learn about it and know about it and everything. I mean, yes, you love Scotland, but you're also just very passionate about about quality as well. And you are hardworking and honest. And see, I can think of loads of words about you. But, you know, and that's what makes it, that's what makes it great to have you in the network and to be able to do stuff with you. So I'm delighted that your business is doing so well, five years on, six years on nearly. And, um, you know, there's always change, but that's a, that's a good thing too, isn't it? And, you know, it's, it's how we've all responded to that change. The people that I've worried about were the people who a year ago said, yeah, we'll just wait till it all gets back to normal. Because I was thinking, well, normal will be different when it comes back. So, and the people that are doing well are the people that have adapted and changed and gone with things. So, I think you know you've certainly adapted over the last few years, and and it's great to see. And uh, I certainly will flag up some some good products that I think you could be having a look at. I'll drop you a wee line. That'd be brilliant. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Well, a big thank you to you, Jane. Thank you for all your support and thank you for, you know, always inviting me along to your uh, your networking events. And, uh, you know, that's it's just important to meet different people who are doing different things and yep. learn from them. Well, we're going to get back into that in a big way in the second half of this year again, both online and face-to-face. So hopefully we'll see you doing some of those. That'd be great. Great. Good stuff. Okay, well, lovely to speak to you and see you soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to Let Me Introduce You, the food business podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you pick up your podcasts and make sure you don't miss an episode. Please leave a comment to let me know what you enjoyed or connect to me at Jane Milton Food on Instagram or at Food Networking on Twitter. And if you found this helpful, we'd love you to tell other food businesses about it too. See you next time.